Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Strong is a self-taught artist from Chicago, Illinois. She is best known for her distinctive abstract portrait style and her booming use of color. Favoring acrylics, Keela paints thought-provoking pieces with underlying messages of hope and compassion. Influenced by the Cubist movement and her Christian faith, Keela makes inner connections and lasting impressions with her viewers. Keela is active in the arts community, sharing her work in galleries and local art shows since 2016. In August of 2021, Keela hosted her first solo art exhibition entitled Morning, which was a dream come true. Please help me welcome Keela Strong to the podcast. Good evening, Keela, and it's a pleasure to have you joining me tonight. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. I'm really excited to talk to you about your work. I don't even know where I want to start because I love, first of all, your piece, Lady Liberty. Thank you. Thank you. So how about we start with, uh, you just had a big solo exhibition. So what was that like? Yes. Oh, my God. It was, first of all, it was awesome. The way it came about was awesome. I had been saying for the last couple of years, like, I need to get a, a solo art show going. But with COVID and everything happened, it kind of pushed everything back. So it wasn't something that I was thinking would happen so soon. And then the building that I work in, an opportunity came up. My name got mentioned and an opportunity came up for me to use the amenities floor space to host my art show. So that was the venue. I had a bunch of sponsors and people that donated food and time and I mean, so much more to help me like put on a great show. It was just awesome how it all came together. It was, oh, it was like. Yeah, it was a dream come true, like I said. And it's only the beginning, but it definitely lifted a a weight off of my shoulders a little bit. Well, clearly you put that out into the universe and it came to life. And talk about fortunate, like to have so many people come out and help you and support you. That's amazing when Mm -hmm. you're an artist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Throughout my life, I have always had support from family and friends. And I'm truly grateful for my family and friends. But this time it was people like outside of my inner circle that pitched Mm -hmm. in. And that's what meant so much to me. These people didn't we didn't share the bloodline or anything like that. It's just people that believed in what I was doing and where I'm trying to go with it. So it was truly special. And that support on both sides is so important as an artist. What was your feature piece in that show? Like, was there a piece that people really gravitated towards? Well, I had this ballerina piece. This is one that it's always that one piece that you don't think is going to be the standout piece that always end up being the piece that people gravitate towards. It's never the piece that you think that everybody's going to gravitate towards. So I had this one piece. It was a two series painting. It's called On My Way. And it was this ballerina piece. And she's like carrying the shoes on her back. And 
like literally everybody in the room that day seemed to gravitate toward that one. And that piece ended up selling that night. Mm -hmm. So that was the surprise piece that people gravitated towards for me. But I had standout pieces, Lady Liberty. I revealed a new piece, Don. That piece was big, but it's usually the Lady Liberty and Last Supper pieces that people would gravitate towards. But the day at the art show, it was one little different. So that was exciting to see too. Can we talk a little bit about Lady Liberty? For people who haven't seen your work, can you describe her? So in Lady Liberty, I make the national symbol of freedom a Black woman. And I give her the swag and the confidence and the hairstyles and, and the whole culture of what a Black woman is and represents. And this, I think, speaks to so many people because really confidence is attractive. And I got her with her fists up. Um, instead of holding a torch, it's like her fist is up and she's just so comfortable in her own skin and confidence is attractive. So when we see that, like we like people naturally drawn to it. And I think it's because she's free uh, to be herself. And then I like to go by to saying free people, free people. So when you yourself are liberated freedom from people's opinion, freedom for what people think and what they have to say about you and just free from your own fears. I mean, you walk different, you act different. It's a swag you go about. And that's what Lady Liberty truly represents here and gives off to the viewers and myself. I have to say she was definitely attractive and and drew me in. And there is her confidence. She's looking right at you Mm -hmm. and you can't help but look right back. Right, right. (laughs) I was also wondering about in the background, you have some beautiful patterning. Is there significance to that patterning or is it decorative? It's more so decorative. I just like to include trivial designs in the background or within certain paintings just to try try to bring in that African culture a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's actually a nice layering because it's soft. It's subtle. It doesn't jump at you. But you really look at her, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a nice little patterning in the background that also draws you in. Thank um, you. I know you've also done another piece called The Last Supper, and, and that one has a lot of meaning behind it. Would you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that piece? Yes. So Last Supper was uh, a painting I created last year. And this was after the murder of George Floyd. Emotions was running so high within myself, all across, you know, the country, all across the world, even. Um, Emotions were running so high after the video was released of the murder of George Floyd. And here, like, riots broke out and looting and a bunch of just emotions that overflowed. And I myself was was, uh, angry and upset Mm -hmm. at what I had witnessed on the video and this this wasn't the first victim this happens to african american mm-hmm. this is our history you know we got a history of police brutality and mistreatment of um black and brown men and women so by the time george floyd happened it was just anger like i said the riot the looting and i needed a way to express to bottle up my emotions in a positive way to release them in a positive way so last supper i did my research and it's basically a timeline or a history all in one piece of police brutality in the last few years and I gathered all of these people together that were mishandled and murdered by the hands of uh, police officers who were sworn to serve and protect 
I got their stories and I looked at their pictures and I got their backgrounds and I put it all into one painting. And on the outside, it's like, it looks like one big family. It's an African-American family. And every generation is represented at that table. And I think it speaks volumes to us because for black people, it could be either one of us. You know, Mm -hmm. you're talking about somebody that was sleeping in the bed and Breonna Taylor, somebody that was walking home from school with Skittles and tea and Trayvon Martin, you know, somebody that was going in the gas station or getting cigarettes. I mean, this is just regular stuff. It could easily be one of us. So I wanted to show that definitely relatable to us and how it could be us or our own family members at that mm-hmm. table. But at, on the flip side, it looks like a picnic a barbecue this is what it's like so i try to include things that you will see at our dinner tables you know at our family gatherings that's what it looks like and and of course it got a double meaning so when you realize that all of these people had passed on and this was truly their last supper it you know it kind of hits you differently emotionally but it was a tough piece but it was it was very powerful um and i think one of my best work today to date and that painting sold at a gallery last year as well, the original. That had to be a very emotional piece. You yourself are a mother, so I can't even imagine the kind of emotion and how do you have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, You're fortunate you have the art world to express that, but I'm sure there's a lot of families where those dialogues are very difficult to have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a harsh reality, but it's conversations that we have to have in our house. Mm -hmm. And I use that as a talking piece when I was talking to my boys who are um, six and 12. So Mm -hmm. the 12 year old was closer at the time to Tamir Rice age. And he was playing with a a water gun outside and um, Mm -hmm. a kid, you know what I'm saying? So it was it gave me the opportunity. It made it a little bit easier for me to tell to at least open a conversation with my boys and tell Mm -hmm. them about their backgrounds and and how to carry themselves as they grow, you know, and what we can do and what you, you want to stay away from because you just, it's a tough conversation, but we got to have it. We got to have it. So. What's great about your piece is that the iconography of the last supper is so recognizable. People can come to it and go, I recognize the Last Supper, but then obviously the next layer into the piece really is where the dialogue Mm -hmm. and the discussion starts to happen with people. It definitely should be a piece that's shared nationally and internationally so these conversations start to take place. Yes, thank you. And and Last Supper actually comes with an info card uh, with the Mm -hmm. name of all the victims as well as the age and the city that they were murdered in. So it's just good to kind of educate and give people the opportunity to maybe look up some of these, their stories and their background. So, cause like you just said, I've had people that come to it and didn't realize who was in the painting or what it was even about. It's like, yeah, this Mm -hmm. is the last supper. So then when I have the info card and little information sheet and people are like blown away um, by some of the, you know, people that in stories they began to recall And I think it's great just to be able to have the opportunity to look up and educate ourselves on, you know, what's going on in our world. Well, I hope wherever the painting has gone, that story lives on and that other people will get a chance to see it for sure. Yes, absolutely. So from what I understand, you didn't start doing portraits. You started in a different direction. How did you transition from one stage of your (laughs) painting career to another? Yeah, I'm one of them people that I really don't don't jump head in 
I kind of got to tiptoe. Um, and sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it works against me. But I'm kind of a cautious creative. And I think earlier on, I started out with cartoons and, and caricatures. And then I woke, worked my way up to still life. And eventually I'm like, okay, I got this stuff. Now I got the courage to try portraits. And portraits was always a, a goal, what I aspired to be when I was younger, to be able to draw people you know Mm -hmm. and to capture the likeness of people so it's definitely something that I've had to work my way up to but I think overall it's been you know part of part of my journey like even with drawing from pencils to charcoals to paintbrush like all of it was truly a process and then of course now I'm here and I'm comfortable with portraits and I got my own twist on things now but it's definitely been a, a journey to get here and I've experienced experimented with different mediums I settled on acrylics which works best for me at this time but yeah I'm just looking forward to see what's next well you definitely have a unique style if I saw your work now that I've been introduced to it I definitely would pull it out of a crowd and say I know whose work that is so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a good thing um you do have some work that is landscape based When you decided to commit to being an artist, you talked to me about 2016 being a pivotal year for you. When did you transition away from that landscape and more into the portraiture? So landscaping was actually earlier on in my in my career. And I come back to it sometimes just to, you know, get things out of my mind and onto the canvas. But actually what was pivotal for me and was finding my own distinctive style. And I think when I broke away from what my idea of good art was, which was like realism, traditional art, paint like the old masters, that was great. That was, which it is great. But once I realized that that um, don't have to be the only form of good art. And once I broke free of that, it allowed me to create freely. And, and that's how this my style today was kind of developed. But it took me to break away from my idea of what good art was. And that's why I say it was pivotal, because that's when my distinctive art style began to develop. Was there artists that you were looking to? Like when you talk about the idea of good art, was there artists you're like, I aspire to be like that person? Well, I wanted to paint like the old masters. (laughs) Like it wasn't necessarily uh, one artist in particular, but I knew that if I can paint portraits to get it exactly like the picture and to get the soft touch and, and then I considered that success. Now, one day I painted a picture to my liking. It was it, it was as close as I could get and probably my most successful out of the realistic paintings. And then I realized, wait, this can't be it. Like you ever think like you, once you get to this point, fireworks are going to happen, you know? And I got to that point and I'm like, this all like this boring. I mean, it was fun getting there, but I knew that, that it was more for me. So mm-hmm. I basically had to, to break out of that idea, but yeah. And I'm free to create in ways that I probably would have never been open to creating before if I was mimicking or trying to be like another you know artist I would have never found my own voice and style as an artist that is a very good point because I think you're right on that um Mm -hmm. copying is point and learning from the masters are great but you have to let go of that to find your voice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. recently you've taken your portraiture in a new direction and you've started to experiment a little bit with a palette knife what's that been Mm -hmm. like Oh my God. I love it. Well, the thing is, I have always 
playing with textures. And I used to do it with my paintbrush and started out with the impressionist and expressionist, like kind of mimicking that art movement. The palette knife has had its ups and downs, <laughs> but I love the outcome of the work. But I sometimes I, I just still struggle with, you know, I'm still learning a technique and how to hold it a certain way and how to get certain effects from it. But I love the outcome of it. So that's why I keep going. I, the difference for me is that my style and my cubism style is or inspired style is is very calculated. Like I know exactly what the colors are going to be, what I'm going to draw. I know it from the beginning. Well, with the palette mm-hmm. knife, I never know how it's going to turn out. And remember, I told you I was a cautious creator, so it it makes me nervous. But I think that me, you know, being on this journey of, you know, liberty, I don't have anything to prove. I know I'm, you know, I'm a good artist. I'm passionate. I'm true to myself. So I don't have to prove anymore that I am good enough, that I can draw, that I can paint this and that. So even the palette knife has been a part of me breaking out of, I would say, the box, (laughs) you know, that I put myself in. I'm not going to even say that nobody else put me there but it's been a journey it's had its ups and downs but I'm really loving to see like what comes of it because right now I don't know I don't even know how paintings are going to turn out (laughs) like and and I did one I spent six or seven hours on it just to get to the end and realize that I hated it because I didn't like the color choices that never would have happened in my old style because I would have knew the color choices ahead of time but I think it, it, it makes it fun and, and I want to continue to make sure I'm being challenged, you know, and I'm not just doing what comes so easy to me that it, it don't require much. It's interesting because you're talking a little bit about how these two types of processes are so different. I've mm-hmm. seen some of your sketches for your other work. Are the pieces that are portraits, for example, Lady Liberty, you, there's a level of planning that goes into that then before you actually create? Everything is planned. <laughs> like the, the Last Supper, oh, you got to see the, uh, I think it's on my website, the original sketch to Last Supper. And it's so detailed, like all the shapes, everything is planned. And even if I don't know the exact color that I'm going to use, I know what family the color is going to be in. So <clears throat> it's very calculated. You know, I know it, I'm never surprised at the ending because I know exactly what it's going to be. And when it comes to those pieces, the journey is the middle, trying to figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, using the palette knife, the journey <laughs> the journey is the middle and the end because I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, I may know, okay, I'm going to draw a hand, you know, but I don't know how I'm going to bring about, I just see what happens. Or this face, I may know I'm going to draw a baby, but... I don't know what colors it just kind of like flow. So it's, it's completely different. And I love both for different reasons, you know, and I hate both for different reasons, <laughs> you know, if that makes sense. So it's, it's almost like you're freeing yourself, but at the same time, you're also stressing yourself out. because Exactly. You- exactly. That's why I call it challenging myself because it would be so safe for me, even though I love the style that I'm working in now, it would be so safe for me to continue in this way because mm-hmm. I know how it's going to end. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ever scared. Um, well, I think the, that's the amazing thing as an artist is you can push yourself, but you know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. So you're growing at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So what do you imagine comes next then? Are you going to continue the palette knife pieces? Will you go back to the other portraits? Will it be a little bit of both? 
That's a good question. Well, I'm going to continue to put palette knife pieces until I decide that I do or don't want to, you know, go further with it. But the thing that I love most about my cubism inspired style is the fact that it's so distinctive and people exactly what you said. People know it's mm-hmm. my work when I'm not there. Now, if mm-hmm. I can't capture that with the palette knife in some way, then I may end up going back to the style that makes me, you know, uh, my work recognizable. It's not that I hate it, but we'll just see because I'm not sure if the palette knife is just a phase. Like, I want to see what's out there. Then it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, you know, I want to try it. Or if it's something that I want to, you know, do I want to build, rebrand and build my my brand around this new style that I'm so in love with? You know, I haven't had, (laughs) I haven't had a light bulb moment yet. But I am just enjoying to see what happens. So a part of me don't like not knowing how it's going to end, but a part of me do. I know I sound so confused, (laughs) but you just sometimes have to dive into something and and see what comes of it. And like you said, it may lead somewhere or it may just be a series of exercises that just... Mm -hmm strengthen your skills as an artist yeah I think that's what the art journey is you have to be willing to go to try to experiment it is Mm -hmm. to explore you know what I'm saying so I I try to keep myself open as much as I possibly can to the idea that I can do something I can communicate more effectively in a different style and I can be better this way or in this style you know so I'm just open we'll see (laughs) I know you mentioned that the solo show, you put that out, that you wanted it and you achieved it. So Mm -hmm. do you have an idea of what your next goal is? Or are you in that sort of percolating stage where you're letting the next ideas grow before you say, this is where I'm going? Well, yeah, that's tough because I think after the solo show, I need a little bit more time to dream up some more. Now I have one goal, which is one of my biggest goals I always had was to make it into like a museum. I would love, that's like a a top of my list goal. But I think I have reached a lot of goals beyond what I had dreamed of, you know, and I really didn't see it. I'm talking about from when I was a little girl going as far as it's going and I'm, I'm still relatively young. So I'm like, oh my God, I've been in the gallery. I have my solo, been in group shows. What's next? So I think I need some time with my pen, paper, and notebook to dream up some more. But if I would say one ultimate one was uh, to get my work into a museum and I got a lot of stuff I want to do for other artists and youth that's interested in the art. So that's down the line. But yeah, I got some major, major goals, but then it's like, as far as where I go from here and what's next, I think I need a little time to, you know, sit with it a little bit longer. That's part of the artist's journey. And we always change directions, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yep. Or we see a new idea and go, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> right. Right. You never know. <laughs> so a lot of your work deals with hope and compassion. How did that come about as being the fuel for what you do? Well, I would say it comes from my faith, my work, is an extension of me or what I think, what I believe. And I feel like living in such a dark world and heavy times, like I want to uh, make a commitment or I have made a commitment to being light mm-hmm. and to sharing that and to lifting uh, people and empowering people using everything I have to do just that. So I use art really as, um, I know people say to express yourself and all that, but I, I use it as a tool, as an instrument 
to empower others and speak to others. And I just think it's important because if you have hope, if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. So the times we living in are just tough, you know, it's tough mm-hmm. and, and in the world in general. So I'm like, I just can't not have any hand or any responsibility to speak to issues, to speak to the hearts of people, to lift up people when I know that they hurt just as much as me, you know, just as much as I do. And I just think I have a responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As a woman of faith, it's, it's my responsibility. How did COVID impact you as an artist? Well, creatively, because I paint in the comfort of my home, I've still been able to do that and come out with pieces, but it has challenged me with galleries and venues closing, especially all of last year. I had to find new ways to speak to my audience and to get my work shown. So to learn, you know, virtual exhibitions and what's that like, what, you know, to try to keep myself educated and Mm -hmm. try to be creative about new tactics, about reaching my audience and marketing. You know, I'm still learning all of that. But um, I think what has changed most is that I haven't been able to get out there as much as I would have liked. So, yeah, I had to rely on social media, my website, you know, to try to get my work seen a little bit more. That's what I would say the biggest challenge is just not being able to be on the scene locally like I, I like to. You're you're really good with your Instagram and promoting your work and showing just different stages of your process. Did that come about with COVID or was that something you were doing pre-COVID? Well, it was something I was doing pre-COVID, but I got more intentional about it during COVID and I got more mm-hmm. active on social media and I'm still learning like, you know, how to be even more in tune, but it's definitely something I tune find during COVID just trying to strategize. Yeah. So I'm I'm really like a laid back person. So I don't like to show too much of myself in my life. But what I've learned during COVID is that people want to know who the artist is. So mm-hmm. I've just been a little bit more intentional about showing my face, talking about, you know, other interests, stuff maybe other than art along with, because when people buy your work, they're also buying a piece of, they're investing in the artist, the person. So of course it makes sense that they would want to know who are you? You know what I'm saying? So I think that's one of the things I've learned during shutdown mm-hmm. that, you know, to, to answer those questions for people. And I think brought me a, a lot more supporters. I'm naturally reserved. So it's been a lot uh, kind of difficult for me to come out of my shell because I just don't like to be on have my face out there like that but <laughs> I've learned I've learned and I'm growing in that way for sure well, it's obviously working because from what I'm seeing you're getting a lot of positive responses to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so as we wrap up I always ask my guests to share a book that they found inspirational in their journey and that they think other creative people maybe other artists would enjoy as well mm-hmm. do you have a recommendation I have a book called uh still like an artist by Austin Cleon. I don't know if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. his name right. I'm sorry. But um, I think one of the things that stagnate artists that keep many creatives even from beginning is that we all trying to think of something that's never been done before. <laughs> we all trying yeah. to we all trying to get this grand idea. And, and, you know, so you waiting for that big moment, that big thing. 
and, and sometimes you'll never start. So I think still like an artist, it teaches us how to use our environment and pick up inspiration from around us and you start there. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and as you work, as you create, you will make things your own, you know, but I think it's just a starting point to get people creating again. We got to know that we're not going to be able to find no, It's like trying to make the sky and the sky is there. You're not, you know, you pulling, everybody's pulling inspiration from somewhere. And I mm-hmm. think it liberates art. It would, this book is, is liberating because you don't have to try to be a creator of all things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can just be an artist and you, I mean, you inspired from somebody that, somewhere. It's actually a great thing to talk about is like, where do you get your inspiration? You mentioned some of the, the media that has influenced you, but do you keep a record of your ideas or inspirational things, or do you just sort of file them in your mind and then they come out? Well, I do. I file them in my mind, but if it's really good and I think I'm going to forget, I'm going to write it on whatever is close. I got notes and sketches on napkins, on, I mean, uh, note cards, flashcards. So whether it's colors, sometimes it comes from fashion, the fashion industry. Sometimes it go from hip, come from hip hop. You know, I like the, the color combination they did there. I like how they match that blazer with those shoes. Let me write those colors down. You know, like, let me make a visual for myself later on. So I definitely take notes, not only mental notes, but I have to, you know, I'm visual. So I have to physically <laughs> touch mm-hmm. and see and add the color or write the note down. So, yeah, but I, I take inspiration from everything, every field. I was thinking to ask you that question, where you get your color inspiration from. Yeah, like I said, the the fashion industry, <laughs> the fashion industry, the hip hop industry, yeah, the music. What I mean, yeah, all type of genres of music and and fashion. I draw inspiration from all that. Please, the Met Gala, the shapes and colors they had on oh. on their runway. That's like an art show in itself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Take notes. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. But when I saw the images come out after the gala, I was like checking them out going, oh, I like that shape and that form. Right. That's me. Like, I love that the shape that it made. It's so. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you a little bit better and hearing about your work. And like I said, Lady Liberty is still one of my favorites. She's uh, <laughs> incredible so thank Thank you. you so much for having me i truly appreciate it and i enjoyed our conversation for sure thank you for tuning in to art conversations with lisa jane irvine if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe and hit the like button and don't forget to check out my website facebook and instagram accounts thank you for listening see you next time